Welcome back to another episode of Cohen's Corner. It's, it's the same old story with this team. I mean, the Mets in this 13-game stretch against the Giants and the Dodgers that a couple weeks ago we talked about how important this stretch was going to be. They won two games out of the 13. They went 2-11. and 11. Seven of the 11 losses they had were by one run, which, I mean, that's great. They were in games, but it's just – it was a brutal, brutal stretch. And, I mean, you could have predicted it. I mean, coming along, we've seen how bad this offense has been all season. And just let this sink in that – in the 13-game stretch, the Mets left 105 runners on base. That's what they did in this 13-game stretch. It was horrible, and now they have 15 straight games against Washington and Miami, which hopefully they can climb out of this hole that they've built for themselves. I don't know, but this is the time to do it. But, Elizabeth, what, what are your takeaways kind of just from this 13-game stretch? I mean, this season as a whole, they just they haven't been able to hit, and it just seems like a broken record. It's just the same story over and over and over again. I feel like the Mets' only hitters are Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo. And in their last game of the 13-game stretch, Brandon Nimmo went three for five, hitting, I think, three opposite field singles. And Pete Alonso hit a two-run homer. That was the only runs they scored. And they lost. And I feel like that's just been a microcosm of, like, every game recently where Nimmo's getting on base and Alonso is, you know. And that's the thing is people, people can get on Pete. He has had some at-bats where he hasn't come through late in games. But when he's like the only one with any power on the team consistently, when he has twice as many home runs and like twice as many RBIs as anyone else on the team, I feel like he, again, he's the least of our concerns. So I don't know. It it has been interesting because I feel like those two have been pretty consistent the whole year and I'm happy with them for the most part, but we've just seen just a really like complete turnaround from players who did well last year for Dom Smith and Conforto, for example, who both have not done nearly as well this year. And even if, even without like the power numbers, I mean, they were both hitting like over 300 last year. And I you know it's a 60 game stretch, but I don't know what their numbers were through 60 games this year. But like, I'm pretty sure they were both had like an OPS that was like at least 100 points lower and like crazy lower numbers. So just compared to last year, I feel like the two of them, we were on such a high last year, even though the team wasn't good. We know that. But those two, I feel like, did so well last year that I had really high hopes for them going into the season. So, you're right. There's, it's hard to like, kind of continually restate how bad the Mets' offense has been, especially since you know, everyone going into this year, we all thought that lineup would be in strength and the pitching would be suspect. And it's really been the complete opposite, which is, you know, the Mets always manage to surprise us in some way. And I guess maybe we should have expected that going in because their bullpen, for the most part, has been excellent. The only, I guess, solace I'm taking away from this season so far given that the offense we know has been bad, but you'd have to think that they have like a decent amount of pitchers in place that they should bring back next year. So that's good. At least it hasn't been a total disaster on both sides of the ball. And defensively, they've definitely improved. But I mean, you're right. If you look at the offensive numbers, and I have this pulled up on the MLB team stats website, the Mets are currently in third place in the NL East. I think we're what, 61 and 66 as of Friday. And they're basically 25th or worse in like almost every offensive category. So not to like beat a dead horse here, but if you look at hits overall in MLB, the Mets are 29th. If you look at runs scored, they are also 29th, only 10 runs ahead of the Pittsburgh Pirates who have won like 20 fewer games. If you look at, let's see, home runs, they are 26th ahead of the Royals, Marlins, Diamondbacks, and Pirates. If you look at, Stolen bases, which isn't as much of an indicator of offense, but still something that teams who are good generally try to do. The Mets are 20, tied for 27th. Even if you look at team average, which the Mets were in like the top 10 in average last year, I think they hit like 
pretty well as a team. We know they didn't score with runners in scoring position, but even if you look at average, the Mets are 25th. So it's not even like they're hitting that much to begin with. So I don't want to like, you know, go too far. I'll look at one more. If you look at OPS, which I know is a pretty good indicator of like overall offensive competence, they're 26th in MLB ahead of only the Rangers who are in last place, the Pirates, the Marlins, and the Mariners. And the Mariners are currently like 11 games over 500. So I don't know how they're doing it. But the point is, there is concrete evidence to show that the Mets have been one of the worst teams in baseball hitting wise. And again, if there's, if there's any solace I can take from that, it's that there's been nothing defensible about most of the offense. It's not even like, I don't know. I feel like there's no like mirage there. It's just been bad. And so at least that gives them a clearer picture going into the off season that for the most part, it's been bad. And so there's just like not nothing really defensible about it. Other than, like I said, Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo, who are both under contract for next year. And I hope stick around because those two have been my two favorite offensive players for a while and have backed them up, backed that up this year for sure. Yeah. Nimmo and Alonso have been really good. I mean, if, if Pete can hit every year, if Pete could hit 260, 265 with 40 home runs, I'll take that every year out of Pete. Mm -hmm. I know, I know he didn't come up. What he ended the game the other night with that little bloop when he came up with the bases loaded in the ninth, he didn't come through. But like you said, like, Especially There's so many games where he hits so the, many. the home run and that's yeah. the only runs. That's, that's the thing. Like, like last times. week, last week on the West Coast, right? They're playing the Dodgers and Giants. How many of those, like obviously a few of them they lost really close, but you know why they were so close? Because Pete Alonso's coming up and doing his job. And like you said, it's Nimmo and Alonzo. And I mean, don't get me started on the thinking about Nimmo. I mean, that play where it should have been a double and he came off the base maybe for like a split second. I mean, that's not what replay was for. And that just I mean, it's just that was the Mets season in a nutshell. You know what I mean? Just nothing, nothing, it seems, on the offensive side of the ball can go right for them. And it's, it's so frustrating. And you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they're last in – or close to last in almost every offensive category. Like, they're at the bottom, bottom of the barrel. And with this lineup, with the names you have in this lineup and the track record that these players had, it's just unfathomable. Like, earlier in the year, we kept saying, oh, well, they got to turn around. Look who they have in their lineup. Like, look at the back of their baseball card. Like, there's no way that this is going to continue. And, I mean, uh, the only other player that I can think of that has had remotely a season like that he sh- probably should have is J.D. Davis when he's been on the field. And, I mean, in the last week or so, obviously, he's, he's missed missed the many, many opportunities to come through in the clutch. But his season as a whole, I mean, he's hitting, like, 295. I mean, he's, he's doing all right. And Lindor even touched on that earlier this week, saying that J.D. Davis has produced. And I don't know. But it's not even, like – I don't understand. There's so many fastballs right down the middle of the plate that this team's missing, whether that that's Pete. Sometimes it's JD, it's Lindor. There's so it's not like, it's not even like they're always chasing and they're always just not swinging at the right pitches. The pitches are there to hit and they're just not hitting them. I don't even know. I don't know how to explain it at this point. Dom Smith, even I saw somebody tweet last night. There was a pitch. Dom Smith hit a little pop fly to the left fielder that last year, that ball would have been 10 rows deep in the left center. You know what I mean? Like it's just, I don't know. I don't know if they're when they're coming up with runners in scoring position, they're just tightening up. Like I know Steve Gelbs did a report earlier in the week that when Max Muncie comes up, he tries to do less. And Dom Smith kind of said that he feels like the guys on the team are trying to do too much with runners in scoring position. Like I, I don't know the the pitching. They're in these games, and just think about if so. Right, they lost seven of the eleven by one run. Even if they had won three more of those games, I mean it's not great. But it would make a really big difference, and uh, it's, it's just so frustrating. It's just kind of a microcosm of this season. I mean, everything's just been wacky, and yeah, like you said, we expected the offense to be there, and the pitching, if the pitching was there, the Mets were going to have a really good year. Well, the, the pitching's been there, and then some, you know, and the, the hitting is just, it's been horrible. I mean, Jeff McNeil, the, Jeff McNeil pisses me off. I mean, I, I loved him his entire time as a Met. 
But I, I'm starting to think that maybe the Mets need to move on from him. I get it's his thing to swing at the first pitch, but it's not working for him. He's going up there the other day. They're, they're down a run, and he's, he's popping up on the first pitch. He's swinging at stuff that it's not a good first pitch to hit. I get if, if the pitcher's throwing you your pitch where you want it, you're going to attack him early in the count. I get that. But you don't always need to swing so early in the count. These good teams, they work the count. The Giants, Gabe Kapler, the manager, spoke about it. They work the count. They take good at-bats, take quality at-bats. The Mets, the quality of their at-bats, even just obviously the last week, but the whole season has just been so bad. Pete, Pete can say all he wants that now the games matter. I mean, these games, these games have mattered all year. I mean, now you're going to say, now we're going to turn it on. I don't know how you – I don't know how you – I love the positivity, but I don't know how you can just – keep saying, oh, we're going to turn on, we're going to turn on, then show us something, show us something. Because it, it can't just be Pete and Nimmo. Like you said, just we, we're not going to win any games if it's just them, and we've seen that. Lindor needs to start coming through. What is he? He's like one for 11, one for 12 since he came off the I.L. It's it's horrible to watch. Like, it's just – it's horrible to watch. Even when the Mets were in first place, they you'd see, like, press conferences where they lost games and they were still in first place and they didn't score any runs. This has been a problem all year. They haven't hit all year, even when they were in first place. And I feel like you'd hear comments just being like, oh, well, we're in first place, so it's okay. I mean, everything's fine. Or we've had a lot, even in April, like, I'll even give them a pass in April. It was a weird month. They did have a lot of interruptions. But, but even so, it's just like a winning, a team that is built to win consistently isn't satisfied even when they're winning. And I feel like any like level of like complacency that we saw from them when they were in first place might be contributing to why they've been so bad now. I mean, I, I just feel like there are some teams that you look at and they, they're just winning franchises. They, the expectation is we are going to be good. And even when we're good, it's not good enough. And I feel like when the Mets were good, it was good enough. And I, I don't know if that's how the players actually felt, but that's kind of how it seemed to the fans. And you look at franchises like the Yankees, for example. And, you know, I'm not saying that fans who get pissed off when they lose in the ALCS, just, I mean – they still got there, and I, I can understand being annoyed, getting close every year, and not actually making it to the World Series. I get that. But I just feel like there's such a different expectation with franchises that win every year, like the Yankees and the Dodgers. And I know the Mets aren't there fundamentally top to bottom. They're not in a position to be comp- – they haven't really been built to compete every year in, like, our lifetimes. And this is something that they're trying to build. This is something Steve Cohen's trying to build. When they were good, it seemed like that was fine. And – we all saw it. We were watching the games, and I'm like, they're only a first-place team because the rest of the division is terrible. Like, objectively, the quality of the baseball, to me, was not a team I expected to get to the World Series, even in May, when they were in first place by five games. And so I just think that attitude kind of has to be looked at as, I feel like these players, they're just not used to winning. I, I don't know, and I don't know, like, after the season, if that means completely, if they're going to actually completely overhaul the roster, because they did a lot of that last year, too. They brought in a lot of new players, but I've talked about this before, how much I love Jacob deGrom, but there's such a difference, I think, in how he approaches his own career and effectiveness versus how we sometimes see other Mets players. Because even after deGrom, like, throws seven shutout innings, he's always looking for things he can improve upon. He's never complacent and satisfied, even though he's the best pitcher in baseball, and you know he still thinks that's not good enough. And I feel like we need more of that attitude of being good or decent isn't good enough, because then when you're bad... I don't know. I just feel like there just needs to be kind of more urgency. And that's not saying they need to be panicking constantly, but just some more urgency about we really need to try to be the best team in baseball. I, I don't know. There's just something missing there. And that killer instinct. And I, 
I don't know if just, be, and I think DeGrom being out for this whole second half has really contributed to their kind of downward spiral because that's one, basically a guaranteed quality start every five days with DeGrom. And think about the ripple effects of that. That means there's fewer bullpen arms needed every fifth day, which means like the good, the, you know, high leverage arms can be spread apart, spread across the other starts, which means they probably might've won more games even when he wasn't starting. I just feel like we need to take Jacob DeGrom's attitude about being good is not, isn't even good enough and being bad is completely unacceptable and needs to be actively worked on and can be fixed. I just feel like his attitude is such a winning attitude and I wish everyone on the team displayed what he displays after every start because you always know he's giving his all and he knows how to win and he does everything he can every fifth day. And I don't see that level of killer instinct with the rest of the team. I completely agree with you. I mean, cause think about, you're right. Every time, and we laugh at it and we talk about it here that DeGrom would have this amazing start. Even the start he had against the nationals where he, well, he struck out 15 and threw a complete game. He, he wasn't satisfied. He was almost angry at a few of the mistakes he made to give up hits. You know what I mean? It wasn't, he's never, he's never satisfied. And I feel like that's how, that's how this team needs to be. And I get, I get Lindor smiles. That's his thing, but like losing isn't fun. I don't know how players can kind of approach it. Like you said, where they're, they're excited, like having a good time. Like they showed, I think it was like a week ago. They were, they were losing and there's people laughing in the dugout. Like it's just not the mentality. Like you said, that a winning team would have when the Yankees think about it, when, when the, the world was ending right earlier in the year for the Yankees and their fans, when they weren't playing that well, think about it. They had a record that was very similar to the Mets at the time. And yep. the Mets they and were, their, their players 500 and their fans the entire were so year. excited. Like yeah. it couldn't have been two, two further opposites. You know what I mean? Like complete, pretty much the same record, but in, yep. it just had to do with the Mets were in first because their division was horrible. It still is. The Mets are just playing really bad, but they were, I don't want to say we as a fan base were satisfied. Like we weren't, maybe the players weren't satisfied, but it was so, such a different feeling. It wasn't like, all right, there's still a lot to improve on. It was like, oh, we're, we're in first place. Like, we're going to run away with this thing. We're going we're gonna to do some things. It, just, it can't be like that. They're always... Because the Mets being good has always been the exception, not the rule. And there's teams no, where yeah. being good is the rule. And yeah. it's going to take so many years to develop that. But think yeah. about it. Like, even for the Dodgers, I, I don't know their, like, overall historical record. They've, I'm sure they've had many bad seasons in the past, I'm sure. But think about the last, like, 20 years or even 15 years of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Being good is the rule. And being bad, the last, bad 10. The is last the ten they've been they've been amazing. It was right after and their I, ownership change. Yeah, they, be, exactly. But and in year one of Mets, that regime, yeah. they weren't good. Like that's what that is true. That's what we have to remember too. That Rome wasn't built in a day, and we can keep complaining at Steve, to Steve Cohen on Twitter. All these fans can tweet, fire Rojas now, fire do this, do that. It's really in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to change anything right now. You know what I mean? Like this is going to take time. And the Dodgers, the first year of the ownership group, twenty twelve, whatever it was, they were a really bad team. Like they're way worse than the Mets are now. It, it gives you some hope that they'll be able to build things because in his original press conference, Steve Cohen said basically he wants to build the East Coast Dodgers, which is a great plan. Like, don't get me wrong. That's a great plan. But we also at the same time, like, that's the thing. Like, we have to be patient. But with that being said, the team was there this They're year. Like, like, we had a chance this year is to different. make the playoffs yeah. and to gain some playoff experience because, like you said, players, they, they haven't really experienced winning. And DeGrom, that's why we love DeGrom so much, and we know that he can do it because we saw him do it in 2015. Remember what he did against the Dodgers when he didn't have his best stuff in game five, and he gave them a chance to win, and obviously they won and made a run to the World Series. Well, I mean, there's really not a lot of winning pedigree on this team. Baez has won a World exactly. Series. Lindor's None been to one. won anything. They don't know what it's like, no, and they don't know how to get about how there. big that would have been for this group to yeah. even just to make it to the playoffs and fine, even if they lost in the NLDS. To, to a the better Giants well, team, a better yeah. Dodgers team, whoever they lost, the Padres. Because you got to be honest with ourselves, we really weren't making any, especially without the Grom, weren't making any type of noise in the playoffs, in my opinion. 
but you can't put a value on how great that would have been for these players to experience playoff baseball and just to, to get that feeling of what it's like to be in the playoffs to really want to get back there in the future. Because if you don't know, you don't know what you're missing out on. Like, obviously, they all want to win and stuff, but until you've reached the playoffs, how because us as fans, like me, like, yeah, I remember 2006, it was great. But until like 2015, we made that run, like us as fans, we really want, we wanted it even more the next year. And since then, once you get a taste of it, like you want to go back every single year. And that would have been really valuable. Not saying, I mean, yeah, they could go on a run and still make the playoffs, but that would have been so valuable for this team. These young players, the Dom Smith, the Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonzo, these guys that haven't, haven't done it before. You know, it just, it would have been a really great experience for them. And I hope they can still make it, but I can't say I'm uh, thinking they will right now. We, we like these players a lot, but we want a winning team. And however it takes to get there, whether it means that they have to get rid of some of their current core, whether it means, you know, they assign people to replace them in the offseason. At this point, I don't care. I think however they can build the best team, we'll, we'll grow to like those players eventually. You know, I'm really not that concerned. There's likable players on every team. So it's not like the Mets are really that unique. I'm sure their clubhouse chemistry is no better than any other teams, to be totally honest. Just that attitude of like winning needs to be the rule and not the exception. And like when they were good being like, oh, well, this is great. This is fine. No, like that's not going to get you anywhere. Being lucky doesn't mean you're good. It just means that everyone else was bad. And that's why even what we were saying, like good teams don't have to squeak out all their wins. Good teams win handily a lot. And the Mets haven't done that this year. And I feel like that's just the biggest evidence to the fact that they haven't really been good the whole year, even when they weren't first. So but with that said, obviously, they still have a lot of really good players on the team that I hope stick around for a while, including Jacob DeGrom. So, Jake, I know DeGrom has been out now since mid-July, but there has been some positive developments recently where apparently he was cleared to throw. They showed videos of him throwing at City Field during the most recent Giants series. So I want to know your thoughts. Say, knock on wood, everything goes swimmingly, and he actually is physically able to come back in September. Do you think he should? Honestly, it all depends on how these 15 games go against the Nationals and the Marlins. If the Mets are within, let's say, because what, best case scenario, DeGrom comes back with two weeks left to play in the season probably. If the Mets are within five games of the Braves, I say, yeah, bring him back. Let's see what can happen. But if they're out of it, what's the sense of bringing him back and risking, risking getting hurt? I get for like peace of mind for Jake himself and the team, like you want to see how he is, but they can do that on their own. He can throw sim games. He can throw for them. He can, you can see, you know what I mean? But why bring him back if they're not in it? That's my opinion. I just, I mean, obviously you, you can't stop Jake if he's going to want to really come back and push it. I mean, obviously they already didn't listen to him earlier in the year when they probably should have put him on the IL a couple of times and they let him just miss a start or whatever. So, I mean, who knows? It seems like he kind of calls the shots there, which I mean, somewhat makes sense, but not really, but I would, Personally, if, if they're not in it, if they're where they are now, if they go through this stretch against the Nationals and the Marlins and they're even further behind the Braves than where they started, I don't see a point in bringing him back because you need him You need him to be healthy next year. Like, that is the big thing. If Obviously, if you're not making it this year, everything needs to be focused on next year. So I wouldn't bring him back. And now Syndergaard's a different story because if Syndergaard, Syndergaard's going to be a free agent. So, like, he, he kind of wants to build a little value, show what he can do, and that, that's a whole different thing. But considering you have DeGrom under contract next year, people think they may bring back Syndergaard. But you, it's already dead set that you have DeGrom on your team next year. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't risk the future just to see him pitch twice and throw 80 pitches to two more times this year. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I don't think it's worth it. Rationally, I do agree with you, and that's probably the correct decision. It's interesting, though, because you were talking about how 
what's the point of him coming back and throwing two starts? I mean, I guess selfishly, like his injury risk aside, it would definitely be really nice to see him throw two starts before the end of the season. And you're right. I don't know if that peace of mind should supersede like any other thoughts in terms of bringing him back. But yeah, I guess selfishly with his health actually put aside, it would be a huge morale boost, I think, for Mets fans to actually have him back for like two or three starts. I don't know. That's probably not a good enough reason to bring him back. I do agree. But, and I, I, I don't know if that means he's 100% healthy either, but it, it, I guess it would, you're right. It would provide some peace of mind going into the off season because the bottom line is without like a real ace like him, they have no chance because again, the killer instinct that he provides and the fear that he instills in other teams is such a mental advantage for the Mets when he pitches. And the Mets actually won most of the starts that he made this year, which is unusual. Like he is so important to this team. I've said it so many times how he's the most important player because any, anything about the Mets, like instilling any fear or intimidation into any other team, like begins and ends with DeGrom basically. So they definitely need him for next year. I'm torn because I agree with you that it's not, if they're out of it, it doesn't really make sense at the same time. If he actually is fully healthy and makes two starts and then can go about an off season routine, that's, normal-ish while also hopefully trying to figure out how to keep himself healthy for next year, whether that means, I don't know if that means decreasing his velocity. Maybe that has nothing to do with it. Maybe it's some other problem that we don't even know about. I would love to see him come back. Rationally, it probably doesn't make sense, but I'm just saying as a fan, I would love that. Oh, but sure. Does from, it make sense? Not necessarily. Like, like, I would be so happy see Jacob pitch. to like, see him pitch even once yeah. this year. Like, I just, you, I've just missed that so much because whenever he pitches is such an event. And I feel like that's just why this year, without him, it just feels so empty. Like, I've tweeted this the other day. We become so used to every five days a guaranteed chance to win, pretty much. Over, I mean, think about has he made any starts over the last three or four years where he's given up more than four runs? Not really. Like, no, basically. Maybe, and maybe so, like two or three maybe more than four runs like once and even has he given up even four runs like more than a couple times i don't even think so so no, he's great like there's no other way to put it jacob yeah. is great so from a fan's perspective yeah oh a hundred hundred million percent would love to see him pitch even just throw one pitch like would love throw to see jacob DeGrom. Every fifth like day, just like, have him there oh. yeah because the team's been so miserable and if you think about it besides the grom and the pitching itself like the team has been miserable all season they were just benefiting from being in a really bad division, winning some close games that they probably shouldn't have won. And you even called it earlier in the year when they were winning some of those close games that you didn't think they were a good team. And I kind of saw through it a little bit. I was like, I don't know. Like, I think, I think they can be a good team, but they've kind of, they've continued it. But yeah, every, that's the thing. When the Mets, when the Mets were down, you counted, you were able to count on DeGrom every fifth day. It was DeGrom day. Like it just brought a whole new level of excitement to it. Whether the Mets in like in past years were doing horrible or if they were in first place, like, you just loved counting down the days to when Jacob DeGrom pitched again. So as a fan, oh, one million thousand percent, I would love to see him come back this year. Just from a like a team and business just perspective, like from that angle, like yeah. just what's what's if they're not in it, what what's the sense of risking next year? Because what if what if he comes back now, gets hurt, and he can't pitch a big chunk of next year? Like we're gonna be like, why the hell did we bring him yeah, back? And I mean that injury. Honestly, an injury if could happen now, could happen next year. But it why? It happen in the offseason. I mean, who I knows? I just think they may need to make a logic. It doesn't seem like this team has been making too many logical decisions. So I'd be surprised if they do make the correct logical decision. But yeah, if I if I if I had a say in it, I don't. I wouldn't bring the ground back if if they're not in it. If they're in it, it's not even a question. Because yeah, you know, I how agree. many chances you're within... not guaranteed a shot at the playoffs every year. So if you, you have a shot right. at it, if they're within five done, games, I think that's a good. 
marker. Yeah, if they're five within games. five games. Two weeks ago, you're within back, five games sure. that you have a chance. I mean, we saw what the Mets did 10 years ago with, what, seven seven game lead or 17 games to go, and they blew it. So anything can happen. If you're within five games, I say bring them back. If you're if you're eight, nine out, what you're not, I don't know. I just don't. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Even even as a fan who would like love to have him back, because I've missed watching my favorite player. Like, it's just so sad when he's out for so long and you don't even hear from him. I didn't even just like watching all of his interviews, like after games and stuff. We, we don't even have that because he's not like doing interviews while he's on the aisle. So yeah, I've missed him, but I, I, I agree with you. I think that makes the most sense in terms of why they would or wouldn't bring him back. And I think fans ultimately, if they don't bring him back, I think most people would understand. And we care more about like him being a Met for life and being good forever than we do about him making these two starts ultimately. Yeah. So I think we can see the long term with him and recognize that that's more important. So before we go, I have two questions for you about two different people. And I want to know, if, not even if like your opinion, I would just want to know like, what do you, th- if, if they're going to be back or not, whether you want them back or not, what do you think? One, Javi Baez. Two, Luis Rojas. What are your thoughts on both of them if they'll be back next season? Baez is interesting because, honestly, no. I don't think he should be back because but I don't will he, think – But will he be? Will, will the he? team decide to bring – that's what I'm saying. Will, will they bring him back? I, he hasn't really played enough to fully know. That's the thing. I mean, you don't know. He was, he's been out for a couple of weeks of the month that he's been a Met, so he's really only played like two weeks. And I guess he was having a good year before that with the Cubs. So you have to take into account his first yeah. half and how no, that. He, was having, he usually hits he, like 280. He was only hitting like 240 when he came over. Decent. Yeah. Okay. So he's not, he, he wasn't like, you know, tearing cover off the ball. You're right. He wasn't horrible. But look, if he's as good as friends with Francisco Lindor as they say, maybe that's a huge pull for him. And maybe he wants to come back. Like, I don't, I don't think the Mets should go out of their way to sign him, to be honest, because I just don't think. I even I've been like very up and down with him because he can be magical. I love his slides and he can hit home runs and he's won them a couple games so far. I just don't know if like his and, and it's great to have a player who makes things happen and you see him like making things happen. He's actually hit pretty well since he came off the aisle. He has like three or four doubles. He's he's hit pretty well. So that's that's fine. But I don't know if like a player like him is really the formula for improving the offense ultimately. And I, I think that has to be the priority. And I don't know if his bat is going to really improve the offense that much with the type of player that he is. So it, just someone who, and I get it, a lot of players strike out a lot. And that, that sh- him striking out a lot shouldn't be like the only factor that determines whether he comes back. I think there's a decent chance that he wants to, that he would sign with the Mets. I, I don't know if they should though. And like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can predict whether they will. I think it really depends on like how the next month goes. But like I said, if he was if if he's as good of friends with Lindor as they say, and like that's a huge pull, maybe he does want to sign here. And I don't know if that would give him like a discount over signing with other teams because I don't I'm sure that wouldn't be the major factor. But I I personally would not jump at the chance to sign him because I just don't think him his he he defensively is great. I agree. But I just don't know if the type of bat that he brings, like ultimately is really going to improve the team next year from where they are now. And I think that has to be the priority. They need just good hitters and he can hit, but I don't know if he's the type of hitter that really will win them that many more games well, next year. It, and it, it depends on my perspective. I think you can bring him back in the right situation. If you're going to bring because they're, they're definitely going to have an overhaul on offense this year. They're going to get this offseason. They're going to get rid of 
a few, at least a few homegrown players that we've all come to love. Like it's, it's got to happen. They need it to change to something. Happen. They need to, they need to change something. So if you're going to bring, bring over, put in your lineup, plenty of contact hitters, guys that do get on base and guys mm-hmm. that don't strike out a lot, then bias could fit. But if you're just going to have a lineup full of if guys that already out the same team get on next base year, and already yeah. strike out all the time, then why? Then what is what value is Baez going to provide? Because if he's going to be getting, if he's going to have a three hundred on base percentage, and you know strike out two hundred times a year, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you can have guys around him in the lineup that are better on base guys and that can kind of get on for him, so that when he does, because don't get me wrong, more nimos. Aside words. from Fernando Tatis, <laughs> at his peak, Javier Baez is one of the most electrifying players in all of baseball. Like that is a fact. The way he runs the bases, the way he plays defense. And the home runs he hits, I mean, and he plays hard. That's the thing I love about Javi Baez. Yeah, he'll swing at pitches like we saw the other night that he's not even close to. Oh, but that became every a, single know. night, he is giving it everything he has. He plays through injuries. He, he just – he does everything you would want out of a baseball player when it comes to his heart. Like, he, he hustles everywhere. He does – he plays the game it's the right that, way. Yeah. With that being said, if he's going to strike out all the time and swing at these pitches and not get on base and you have guys in the lineup that are similar to him in that way – what's the sense of kind of having him there? But I do think if they were to bring on guys like a Chris, say they go sign like a Chris Taylor, people like that can kind of be table setters and get on base a lot. Like it can't just be Brandon Nimmo. Like it can't, it can't just be Brandon Nimmo. They need to have other guys in the lineup that are like that. So if they do that, sure. I, I would love for them to bring bias back because I think him and Lindor up the middle for the next six, seven years would be so fun to watch and that they really could build a winning team. I mean, we saw bias won a world series with the Cubs. It can be done, but it's all going to depend on, what they what they do around him and how much Baez wants because the Mets aren't going to resign Baez for shortstop money. They're going to resign him to play second base. So if you're telling me, if you're telling me they're going to give him eight years, two hundred million, something like that, seven years, two hundred million, he's going to get two hundred million, and there's no way he's going to take a deal for less than six years. I'd say so. You got to have that in mind. Like I said, if they're going to put the I'm, right players I'm, around him, I think Baez could be a very valuable player going forward. But it can be the complete opposite if you have guys that are too similar to him in the lineup. Whatever they end up, however, McNeil and Davis, whatever they end up doing with them in the offseason, I think will, whatever their plans are for those two players, will probably heavily determine what they do if they sign Baez or make an attempt to sign him or not. Because that, I mean, those, I mean, McNeil can play the outfield, but they're basically infielders. And so I think that will really, that will really depend on that. Um, and your other question, sorry, what was it? Oh, uh, if Rojas. Rojas will be back next year. That's interesting. He, well, he got a lot of heat for the Taiwan Walker booth. And, but honestly, in, in game managerial Lee wise, I don't really think he's lost them that many games this year. I, I don't know if his demeanor and like approach is going to lead him to a championship. I, I'm not like running to fire him because I don't know if you can really blame the entire lineup's inability to hit on him. And since that's been the major problem, I don't know if he should be blamed for that. It's hard to say. I, I don't know who they're replacing him with, though. I don't know. I know that's not, like, a good reason not to fire him. But I, I don't know if there's, like, another perfect candidate out there that they would have – that would be better. I know, <laughs> I know they had hired Carlos Beltran. I, I don't think he's coming back. But to me, that's not – it really depends. I mean, if, if Cohen, like, clears out a lot of the front office people, then – probably he should be gone because they probably should make their own decisions on who should be the manager. I do think though that I feel like some of what we were talking about earlier about being like overly fine with being, 
I don't know because even in some of his press conferences, like he's he's displayed like more frustration than a lot of the players have. And I don't think we should like base our entire opinions on those press conferences after the games. I don't know. It's a tough situation. Me personally, no. I I think I don't I wouldn't fire him. But that's just me. All year I've been saying that he's shown a lot of promise and that he could be a very good manager. But other times I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? Like. He's, he comes from such a smart baseball family, and he is a smart baseball guy. That some of these decisions he makes, like I think Todd Zeal put it really well in the post game the other day after the Tywin Walker decision, that you kind of have to make more decisions with your eyes and your head than your. Yeah, iPad. I totally agree with that. Yeah, because Walker. But is that his Walker fault? Was dealing. That's the team. No, but that's not he, just Rojas. But he's the manager in that situation. He can make the decision he thinks fit, and. Walker was dealing what he had given up one, two hits to that point. And the two guys had gotten on base because of a Jonathan VR error and that little bloop in that fell between Conforto and McNeil. So it wasn't like they were tearing the cover off the ball and Walker had pitched really well to Crawford all night. So like to pull him there, you got to have a little bit of feel and the Walker Rojas even said, Oh, well, Walker didn't really, he didn't deserve to come out of that game. You're damn right. He didn't. So if he's going to, if they're going to score, let it be because of Walker. Like, he put those guys on base. He's earned it. I know he's had a, he had that little rough patch in the season, but overall he's had a really good year. He's earned it that you need to let him try to get out of that himself. And I get it. Loop has been really good, but you got to have a little bit of feel. And he was dealing, he was cruising to that point. And two little things that really weren't his fault that probably, they probably should have been outs. There should have been nobody on base, two, two guys out or at worst case scenario, that one guy gets on the bloop, but to take him out there and for it to backfire on the first pitch. I mean, it was obvious. Like it wasn't like everyone was second guessing after the fact. When he was coming out to pull Walker, every everyone that I know that I've spoken to after that you heard on the TV broadcast, Walker himself, you saw. Why are you taking him out there? Like that didn't make any sense. Or how many times Dom Smith has been your best hitter against left-handed pitching this year? He has. How many times are you going to sit him against a left-handed starter? It makes no sense. Please make it make sense. He's hit so well against lefties. By far, your best, your best hitter against left-handed pitching. I guess, like normally, I get it. Like, oh, lefty, lefty. Like, you got to be careful. Not, not anymore. Not we can year. see like, this. You got to look. Like, Dom Smith has been awesome. He's been awesome against lefties. Why on earth? With the how bad, how bad your offense has been, especially over the last two. Take weeks. that one. Why win. take that one? Why advantage. would you right. take him out of the lineup against a left-handed pitcher? And then there's been I remember a couple weeks ago, he's like, oh well, this was just his schedule off day. We wanted to give him an off day. And then he was in the game. Once a righty came in out of the bullpen, you had Dom Smith in there in the sixth inning. Then give him the whole day off if that's your philosophy. It makes no yeah. sense. And I'm sure I agree. some of that lineup decision may come from the front office, but he's the one sitting there. He's justifying it. Like that's, that's the main thing that's irked me this year, which how bad your offense has been. You, you can't, you can't afford to take guys. You're further your disadvantaging. Like, like yeah, what are you doing? Yourself. I don't want Kevin yeah. Pillar in left field when he's hitting 200 and Dom Smith's hitting 330 this year against left-handed pitching. Like it just, it makes no sense. No sense at all. So I, I'm just, I'm at this point, I'm just done with, I'm done with Rojas. I just think they needed, they need something new. They need, they need so many changes within this team. I'm, I'm fine with that being one the of the changes. I agree. Yeah. I'm fine. If they do fire him, I won't be devastated. I think – Do again, do I think he's really the root cause of the team being bad? No. no. But if they – like, played, I think played a part. He's if played a change, a part. If changes are going to be made and we agree that they should be, I'm fine with that being one of them. Yeah. I don't know who they replace him with. I don't know who's out there. But I would be fine with that being one of the changes they made. 
I don't know. I feel like every team, every fan base probably hates their manager anyway. Like, I'm sure if you talk to like any other team's fan base, I'd be curious to see like even a first place team. I'm sure they don't like their manager. So, you know, Dodgers fans have hated Dave Roberts for years and they've been good every year. So I don't know if like he is, if he's really, you know, in this day and age, managers are basically like liaisons between what the front office people want to do and like the team. I don't know if like the, if he's the one that's going to manage them to a championship. And if they don't think that he's that guy, then they should fire him. That's my opinion. No, I agree. But, but you know, we'll change. see. A lot of we'll change see. is going to be needed, but we'll see. We'll see what the last month of the season brings. Hopefully we're in a, we have a whole different mood in a month. Hopefully the Mets are at least, at least there the last couple weeks of the season that they have a shot. And maybe then, DeGrom and that means maybe DeGrom will be back. Maybe yeah. Rojas can save himself in this last month. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot's going to happen. It's a, it's a month, but there's going to be a lot that goes into this month, the, especially the, these yeah. next fifteen games. These next fifteen games are going to decide the fate of the rest of their season. And, and, I, I and it's interesting. Hyperbole. No, you're absolutely right. And if I can take one small amount of solace in the Mets collapsing so far over the last month, it's they're actually like not the only ones because there was there was like two other teams that were very comfortably in playoff spots and now are like teetering on the brink and that the Padres, the Ooh. Padres and also the Red Sox have yeah. had a really bad month. And the so, A's too. The A's have fallen off. And, and the A's actually, I think the Red Sox are now ahead of them in the wildcard standings. Yeah. How funny would that be? Yeah, if there was a are. Yankees Red Sox yeah, wildcard game. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty electric. But so uh, the Mets aren't the only ones being bad, especially the Padres who have lost, I think 12 games on the Reds in the last like month. And they've actually had a better record than the Mets over the last, you know, since the all-star break. So mm-hmm. we're not the only ones going through it. And the Padres, still haven't won a world series in their lifetime. So I really hope for their sake, they either turn it around this year or are good next year. Cause that fan base does deserve it. We shall see. There's a lot of teams making noise that we didn't think would make noise. The Mets haven't made enough noise. So maybe they'll start being better. Who knows? But there's, there's still a lot of baseball to go and I'm excited to be part of it. Even if the Mets are bad, because at the end of the day, we'll miss the baseball season when it's over. So we may as well enjoy this last month, whatever it brings us. Yeah, enjoy all Mets fans. Enjoy the the next uh, month getting one. That run might be game. all we get for till next March. Yeah. So <laughs> one, one run a game. That's what's going to happen. But exactly, enjoy that Pete Alonso home run. Enjoy those Brandon Nimmo leadoff walks because yeah. sometimes that's the best part of the game. Like when he walks to lead off every game, I'm like, it's all downhill from here. All right, we'll we'll see what happens. And uh, congrats to Jerry Kuzman getting his number retired this weekend. There's a lot going on, so at least there's some positivity to pay attention to with this team. But uh, yeah, I think that'll do it this episode of Cohen's Corner. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can find Elizabeth on Twitter at NYMFan97. You can find myself at Giblin underscore Jake. You can follow the podcast at Cohen's Corner Pod. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon, and let's go Mets.